Hello and welcome to another episode of Pyro Unleashed. Tune in weekly as Donnie and David discuss all things pyro, from the business aspect of the industry to technical tips and mesmerizing pyro designs. On Pyro Unleashed, we invite cutting-edge experts to the podcast to discuss their role in making this industry a success. So, sit back and unleash your inner pyro with us. Episode number three, is that considered a streak? I think it is considered a streak, yeah. So far, I think we're getting pretty good feedback on uh, episode one and two. I appreciate all the positive feedback. I appreciate everybody telling us uh, about the audio levels and uh, making sure that we're getting all that because uh, I'm not a professional editor, so I, I really appreciate all the, the, the tips and tricks. So, Yeah, just you know, part of the learning process of putting on a podcast for the first time. So yeah, definitely been some good feedback. And uh, I want to say thanks again to Ed Vassell for coming on uh, the episode last week and giving us some really good insight. I'll tell you, I, I actually learned quite a bit, uh, even in, in last week's episode. Yeah. I mean, Ed, Ed has a wealth of knowledge. I mean, you know, been in the business for as long as he has. I mean, we barely probably scratched the service surface for what he has as far as you know, knowledge about the business. Yeah. And I, uh, I know, I think we've talked a little bit, Donnie on the back end. I think we're potentially wanting to see if he'll come on again this season, uh, or even episode or season two, um, to, uh, talk more about how this last season went and, uh, whatnot. So, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Definitely have, to have Ed on you know, on a regular basis, hopefully. All right. And then we're going to uh, pop into here a quick word from uh, our sponsor this week, uh, Muxboard. Um, connect more e-matches in less time with Muxboard. Whether you're using traditional or quick plug e-matches, Muxboard offers an alternative to standard slats on the market. Customize your firing system and work smarter with slats, breakout boards, and conversion kits from muxboard.com. That's M-U-U-X-B-R-D.com to improve your workflow and get the most of your firing system. And as a thank you for supporting Pyro Unleashed and Muxbird, get a free quick split breakout board with your next order before March 31st when you mention Pyro Unleashed when you place your order. So go out to muxbird.com slash unleashed for more details. Awesome. Yeah. Huge shout out to CJ and Muxboard again for that. Uh, really do appreciate the sponsorship and uh, helping us get the word out about the podcast. It, it's uh, much appreciated. Yeah, absolutely. And so this week, it looks like it's just you and me this week to chat it up for a little bit. And so what we'll have on the agenda this week? Yeah, uh, looks like uh, we should talk a little bit about some upcoming, uh, what's going on this upcoming season, uh, some training events and safety coming up. Absolutely. So when we look at the uh, upcoming season and stuff, I know from from your aspect, you know, you're more more involved into kind of what's out there. You know, um, from your side of the business, you know, what what does the supply look like this time of year? Uh, right now, uh, being that Chinese New Year just ended, uh, it's it's starting to come in. It's everything starting to roll in. Uh, all the containers that left before the Chinese New Year, they're really starting to hit doors. Um, I know we just got actually a container a couple days ago quite a few more coming up next week. Um, so, uh, yeah, be on the lookout for all of that. Uh, we're really excited. 
I know we've ordered more this season than, than I think we ever have. And um, lots of good new product coming out. Uh, yeah, really looking forward to it. Now, on some of that new stuff coming out, any updates on any of the new stuff? I know you've mentioned before that some RKM was maybe diving into maybe their own slices and some, some other kind of custom kind of stuff. Any uh, any news or updates on that type of stuff on when it might be here, when it might be available for people to purchase? Uh, unfortunately not, just because people uh, in China are starting to just now get back to work. We're still waiting to hear. Uh, I, I would anticipate some, some more news um, probably in the upcoming, say, three, four weeks. Um, yeah, I, I think we'll get a bunch of news, uh, about where, where everything's at. And I, I, I would anticipate hearing some really good news. I know there was some shortages on, on some black powder I was hearing. Um, so it was driving the cost up a little bit. Um, but I, I don't think it's going to be too crazy of an issue for this season. So Awesome. Awesome. Sounds good. Yeah. Anything, anything else out there around the market that we've heard that might be coming in new or anything like that, other than you know, just some general kind of stuff, any new products that you know about there? Not that I'm a hundred percent aware of. Obviously I know quite a few companies are starting to bring in their own versions of ProLine, which is really good. I mean, you know, as much as I uh, am really super excited about uh, RKM bringing in the new stuff, uh, I have to say it's going to help drive the market a little bit, make companies produce better quality across the board. Um, so, you know, as much as, is is I'm not a fan of <laughs> some of the other companies bringing it in. I, I think it actually will drive, uh, drive some competitive pricing. I think it'll, um, it'll really help drive uh, better quality. And we're, we're really, I think in the next two to three years, we'll start to see who's going to come out on top and uh, be producing that higher quality top of the line uh pro line obviously there's serious names already playing a role you know you have dominator you have spirit of 76 um raccoons bring in some of their stuff in you have reiku uh and then obviously ours so um i, I see that um yeah I, I i'm really excited to see where where it takes off to yeah and, and i know obviously over the last on what year or so there's been really kind of an explosion in pro line product you all of the your usual name brand vendors are now also offering all these different versions of ProLine products out there. And so um, there's definitely a wide variety of, of ProLine brands out there. It's available for everybody. And, um, you know, definitely some some good op- opportunities out there to kind of explore and see what's in the market as far as ProLine goes. Yeah, I, like I said, I, I again, I am really, really excited to see uh, what comes out, uh, who's going to bring what out. Because, you know, as, as much as we have... Um, a pretty good grasp on what we think is going to be selling uh, well for this next season. Why, you know, spirit of 76 might come in and bring in something completely different. Um, you might have, you know, company a bringing something else in and it might be uh, really good. So let's just see, you know, I'm kind of excited to see where it's going to take us and uh, let's yeah. Hope for the best. Yeah, I know. Absolutely. I know that. Yeah. We're always looking for, for some, some new, some new items out there for ProLine. Um, so kind of talking about the upcoming season, it's like that, you know, um, when when should consumers be ordering by? So if I'm looking to buy for my retail service or maybe I'm looking just to buy wholesale for my own personal shows, like, you know, like when should I be like securing product and like when's that cut off of when I'm like just SOL? Um, I, I would say the, <laughs> the SOL timeline is really 
mid-June. But I I would tell you to start ordering as soon as, I mean, a month ago, really. The nice thing is, you know, all these companies have product pretty much all year round. So as you see it come in, uh, most of them will allow you to hold it or you can order it early, uh, pay for it. Um, So I know some companies will hold it until you're ready to pick up a whole order. Otherwise, you can just have it shipped to your door and just let it sit. I mean, it's it's no different than just sitting in our warehouse or somebody else's warehouse. It's going to be fine as long as you have you know proper storage, uh, making sure all your legalities are fine. I don't see a reason why you shouldn't hold on it. Um, but for stores, I'm already seeing stores purchasing. Uh, I'm already going door to door. Now is about the time um, that we're really going out and seeing uh, who wants to purchase fireworks for this next coming upcoming season, start getting these orders in. Unfortunately, I, I know we don't um, really do uh, pre-orders for product if we don't have it in, um, but you know, some companies do, and that's great. I, I There are times I really wish we could because um, I think it would help excel some sales, but you know, at the same time, I, I get why, why you can't, you know, um, can't do the pre-orders no yeah absolutely i mean you know obviously you know, not everybody has you know like the space to store a bunch of fireworks so it's always good to know that you can place your orders you know the the vendors will hold on to your order for you and maybe ship it out at a later date so get them and you don't have to worry about maybe storing a pallet of fireworks you know somewhere you don't have space to for it most definitely yeah and again that's that's huge safety concern if you can't do it don't push yourself to do it uh maybe find a wholesaler uh that can hold on to it until you're ready to shoot it yeah uh looking at trainings coming up um some dates and i I know we have uh man i want to say there's probably 10 or so classes we have coming up um you want to go ahead and kind of list those out the dates uh the name of the company and where they're going to be held yeah this is definitely you know your peak season for um getting your your training courses you know so your pgi training classes to build a lot of vendors will ask for this training for your to build a purchase pro line. Um, and also this is training that you need as well if you're going to go for a display operators course or something like that. So um, we we, piled a, we p- compiled a few here together. Um, a lot of this list I know came from within uh, KCAP. We have a, a calendar where we kind of gather all this kind of stuff. I know you had some stuff on here. Yeah. Um, so, you know, kind of throughout, you know, if you're throughout the Midwest, um, we have a lot of dates for you. Um, so we can kind of go through some. And then with that, we got Aerial FX in St. Joe. Uh, Missouri, um, they got March 9th. So we've got White Knight Fireworks in Danville, Pennsylvania coming up on March 30th. Um, we got Premier Pyrotechnic in Richland, Missouri for on April 6th. Um, so I got AM Pyro and Ace Pyro. So AM Pyro in Buffalo, on Missouri on April 20th, and Ace Pyro in Saline, Michigan on April 20th. Um, we got Spirit of 76 in Columbia, Missouri on April 27th. Um, also, that night is their Mo Pyro versus KCAP competition. Looking forward so to those definitely videos. Worth your time, definitely worth your time to come out to come out to that demo. Unfortunately, it looks like David will be busy with the RKM demo, RKM training at the same time there on April 27th. Yeah, we will. Um, at Goshen, Indiana. Um, also, we've got American Wholesale in Hudson, Ohio on April 27th. Also on the 27th, we've got Wisconsin Pyro Arts Guild um, in Burnhamwood. Wisconsin as well on the twenty seventh. Seems like a popular and date. We also got, what? I said it seems like a popular date. It is. It is. We had a <laughs> four in the row there on, on that on that on that one. And then we kind of round out our list here. We got Rainbow Fireworks in Inman, Kansas on May fourth. 
Um, again, there are lots and lots of these out there across the country this time of year. These are just the ones that we were able to kind of compile fairly quickly. Yeah, they're really good if you want to shoot professional displays, um, as well as purchasing pro line. Um, again, I know uh, in last week's conversation with uh, Ed, sounds like we're, uh, I don't necessarily think we're going to be seeing a new class. I think it's going to be an add on to the current class, which is, um, I've got some positive and feedback. I, I'm assuming you've probably heard some positive and feedback and negative feedback on that as well. Um, but I mean, they, you know, they're, you're out there shooting a three inch shell. So you're learning the safety, you know, you're, you're, you're respecting the pyro, the pyro, um, should respect you if you're respecting the pyro. Um, you're going to start learning how to, uh, properly connect, uh, compound cakes, how to use them using single shots and slices. I think that's all really pertinent information that is not taught and it really does need to be because more people are using that than I, I even feel than, than display fireworks at this point in time. No, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah the, the pro line. Yeah. I know that usually, you know, you know, the class, a lot of the PGI course class basically covers mostly just your one, three for the most part and how to handle one, three. And I know that we want to ex expand more into some of the pro line stuff. And so, um, when, when you do take these courses, a lot of them will have a hands-on portion at the end where you'll be able to go out and, and hand light some, some product and stuff like that. So um, don't be that person who's waiting around until May and June and be like, hey, where's the next class? Because by that time, the classes are pretty much over at that point because everybody's ramping up for the season. So um, if you're wanting to get into one of the training courses, um, this is the, the time to start to sign up for those and get ready for those because this is when they all are are packed up and lined up and ready for people to join in. Yeah. 100%. Um, what do you, you know, what, what can somebody expect going to a training class? What are some things that are going to happen? Obviously I know I mentioned, you know, hand lighting a three inch shell. That's a really big part of it. Also uh, I know obviously at the end there's the test. Uh, what else are some things that people can expect? Yeah, I know that um, a lot of these courses are, are kind of taught a little bit. I mean, some of them are taught a little bit differently than others. It really depends on, on your instructor for the most part. Um, it is basically a, a very much of a book course. You know, they go through the rules and regulations and, and, and the, the, the book that you're going to have to, you know, get through. And um, they kind of walk you, well, they'll walk you through like, you know, and prep you for the test at the end. They're like, hey, you know, this is important. Remember this, you know, um, the test at the end is open book. So you can use the book to go through the, the, the test and look up the answers and stuff like that. But um, the first half of your day is very much, you know, just covering the, the book material on you know basically it, it's the safety it's the safety of of how to handle and how to light and your your distances and you know the type of safety gear and stuff that you're going to need and and racking and and all that kind of stuff so they really do cover how to safely light handle you know and, and put on a, a display show you know for anybody so that, that that's the information you're going to get out of it and then at the end of the day then um some of them will have you set up where you actually set up a show and you'll shoot a show at the end of the night. It's more of a demo type of thing. Others, you're just going to go out and you're going to hand light some stuff. Uh, I know specifically, you know, in the one that I took, um, we got to go out and, and they load, load a shell upside down. You light it, you blow a rack up. You, know, you get to kind of see the power of that kind of stuff. You light a shell on the ground, you know, stuff like that. You know, so you do get to kind of, you know, some of these classes get to see what happens if something's wrong. Yeah. And I think that's also important too, is to showcase the power of that shell that if you do do something wrong, this is what's going to happen. Yeah. And this is the consequences of that. Yeah. I think the common misfires or common mishaps portion of the class almost is more important than even the, the book portion. Cause you know, as much as I'm, I, I'll tell you just for me, I I'm 
I am not a bookworm. I can't stand can't stand books. So if I can uh, listen or, or go get my hands on uh, and doing you know things hands on, I'm more apt to learn. Uh, so as much as it is nice to uh, listen to a speaker or read the book, getting your hands on it is probably the most important part. Um, as much as the class is needed, um, and, and I'm really glad that the class is out there and is available for people. Getting out there, like I said, again, I, I can't stress it enough. Getting your hands on it, touching, feeling, um, and, and really getting out there and diving into it. Um, are there any other like hands-on portions that you know of going to the class? I know when I've gone, um, there's always, the instructor always brings stuff to uh, look at or um, handle, uh, pass around. Uh, they always show videos of common mishaps and, um, you know, expand on why this happens, why you should do this, why you shouldn't do that. Yeah. And, and a, a lot of them, they, they will, they'll have like inert shells. They'll have an inert shell that's cut, cut in half. You can kind of see kind of what it looks like inside and stuff like that. And so that's always good. You know, I mean, if you've ever been to, Know, a, a club event or a pyro show and they always will be like there's a cool down after a show um you actually you, you'll learn in this class the importance of what that cool down is for right the, things out there could be just sitting out there that didn't maybe fire in the show maybe they're still burning that's why you always have that 20 30 minute cool down after a show to make sure that you know anything that's left in a tube out there has the opportunity to go off before you go out there and so you kind of learn um during the class the importance of why there is that cool down after a show yeah so I guess that kind of leads into the next portion of what we want to talk about. What are some other safety measures that you do take, you know, take in? I, obviously there's, um, you don't want to go in, into the shoot zone for at least 30 minutes after, after the show is shot. Um, you know, what are, what are distances for display shell sizes? Like what, what are those, uh, do different, uh, classes teach different, uh, dimensions or, uh, widths? for that or what and why i mean so there's a, there's a lot of different there's a couple different schools of thoughts and distances obviously um there right. is the nfpa which is that 70 feet per per inch um but i know that a lot of a lot of shooters a lot of clubs will do it at least 100 foot per inch yes um personally we do our shows it's 100 foot per inch um you know safe distance is your best friend when it comes to fireworks there's nothing more important than than distance for sure yeah and I know that safety distance is there, but I mean, I'm, I'm assuming you've seen a three inch shell go sideways out of a gun. You know that that uh, 210 feet doesn't do anything. I mean, that's just that's just the shell going to where you're at. That you know, if you're just 210 feet away, um, if that shell is coming at you and it lands 210 feet away from that gun, it's going to land at your foot. That still has to blow up. So I mean, there's still shrapnel going in everywhere. There's still stars. If it's a salute. Um, my gosh, I, those do some crazy damage. So, uh, yeah, the more the merrier. I, I know we always like to do at least 70 feet. Um, if we have the space, we'll push it to a hundred, but you know, on, on some instances you just don't, and you just go back to the old school. Well, 70 feet's good enough and <laughs> hope for the best. Yeah. too, And you know, I know that this, this happens a lot in, in, in shows. People want the fireworks to be right there in your face. Like they all, they want the show to be really close. They want people don't realize a lot of yeah. times a show actually looks better when you're farther away. Like, you know, one, four product line, one, four line of product of cakes actually looks better, you know, in that close to that, that three or 400 feet away versus, 
you know, right there at 150 or 200 feet where it's right there in your face. It actually looks better distance. I so, agree. Yeah. I mean, know, that distance, the distance also isn't a safety thing. It also visually helps your show look a little bit better. I think. Yeah. I mean, even when I go to big pyro events, I, I, I can't stand sitting on the front line. Not that I, you know, want to have a delay, a reverb of, of audio, but I, I want to see the whole display. I know, especially, I mean, you were at PGI. I almost felt like you were right on top of it because of the width of the, um, the frontage. Yeah, no, yeah. It's like that a lot. I mean, and, and we, we have, I know we have club events where, you know, where sometimes, you know, we're short on space. So, you know, you're a little bit closer to the, to the front and, and, and you're stringing there, you're looking way up high to see the big shells. But then, you know, if you have the space, you know, having that extra distance always, always makes your show look a little bit better. And then it gives you that larger fallout radius, larger protection from your audience. Yeah, most definitely. Um, what's the pros of e-firing versus hand firing? I mean, obviously, I think I think safety. I think is, is the big thing. Obviously, e-firing, um, you can fire your show from a from a safe distance. Um, you can also e-firing. You can watch your show. That was the big thing for um, for me when I was you know first getting into e-firing and stuff. Is I wanted to be able to sit back with my family, my friends, and and watch the show and not be in the middle of the show. And so. Um, but there are still a lot of one free crews out there that love doing the hand fi- the hand lighting and, and that, that's you know that's still a, a cool and, and a fun way to do a show out there is just being in the middle of it hand lighting you know feeling the fireworks going off and clearing the guns and you know and that that excitement that joy but e-firing really brings that into that safety factor you know, to a you are safely away from if a shell blows up in a gun you're not standing there right there next to it when it goes off yeah I know that's how I got into fireworks is hand firing. Um, it's, it's a great time. I love doing it. Um, but I just, I'm, I'm really glad for e-firing. It's, it's such a safer, um, alternative to hand firing. I, I mean, even being a lead, I get to watch my show that I've, you know, taken the time and diligence to, to script out or, um, prepare. So it, it, it does help. It's awesome. I mean, it, it also gives you the ability to do to do the shows that we do. I mean, you can't you can't do a power musical hand hand lighting hand lighting show. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Um. So, say we're going to hand fire a show. What are some safety gear that you should have for hand firing versus e firing? I mean, obviously, if you're hand firing, I, 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 you know, a lot of people wear the the the, the fire fire gear, um, your fire retardant gear, wearing safety, wearing helmets, um. You know, you obviously need a fusee on what you're going to use to light, light everything with. Um, you'll see people out there with, with torches, light and stuff as well. But I think, you know, the more safety method, obviously, is, is your pole with your fusee on the end of it going around and lighting shells one by one. So that brings up another question. So I know a lot of crews, um, I know me in particular, I, I'm not a big fan of having a, a handle on my fusee. I, I don't like the distance of, you know, having to pull the fuse and then hit that shell, you know, being another an extra foot away from it. Um, I mean, what are your thoughts on that? Cause I know, I know there are crews that absolutely love it. Um, and I'm not, you know, my way is not the right way. I don't think their way is the right way. I think it's really, in my opinion, it's whatever you feel comfortable with. Yeah, I think it's obviously it's whatever, yeah, whatever you feel you can be safe with. I mean, uh, you know, I mean, if you're, if you're doing it up and close, a, you always got to make sure your, your head's back and away from the tube and yeah. You know, you're you're not like standing over it when when you that that so the distance of that extra pole, the extra distance, you know, keeps you away from the tube a little bit more, keeps you out, out of the view of the gun. Um, that's definitely the the benefit I think from having you on a pole. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Um, 
what about racking? How do you guys do your racking? Do you guys screw your racks together? Uh, I know uh, going back a long ways, we used to, well, still do strapping, but I I prefer end boards. Uh, What are some different ways you've seen for doing racking that are good? Uh, I I know I've seen some that are, I wouldn't call them very safe, um, but I mean, they work. I know display companies use, you know, again, I'm not bashing anybody for doing it, um, but I know some companies will use uh, C-clamps to to hold their racks together. It's just not a way I would do it. And, you know, if, if you feel comfortable doing it, I get that. But I just see it as um, if you're hand firing for one, it's 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 a it's a hazard really outside of the the rack of fireworks uh, Two, I know I've personally gone up to one and kicked it and apps like disconnected it from. So, again, I'm not. <laughs> It sounds like I'm bashing. I don't mean to. I just, that's just one thing I've seen. So what what are some ways you guys have uh, racked your fireworks? Yeah, I know for all, all of our, our club shoots and as you see in our sky wars, we had in boards on, on everything. So we, you know, basically you just build up your, your pods of shells, you inboard them, you know, you're putting at least three screws into the end of each rack and your inboards. Um, we, we do have, we do have, have some club members who do shows and they, they do strapping. And yeah. it works. It's it, it's fine. You you strap at the top, strap at the bottom, um, as long as everything's tight and and secure. And we actually had a shell Cato at a show last year of a wrap that was strapped together, and it it was a- actually it it held the entire pod together. I mean, it blew out the entire the inst- complete side of a couple of tubes, and the entire rack was still together even with the straps on it. So um, it had no impact on the structural ability to hold the pod together with with a with a Cato, and so. Um, and yeah, you do see the number of racks out there and I, I'm, I, I usually steer away from those. I mean, I just, they just don't, I mean, they've been used for a very long time. So they're obviously they're proven, they're safe, they work, but, um, just my personal preference. I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't use, use those type of racks. Yeah. Um, I'm sure you probably even seen when we were at Skywars for threes and fours, I'll do a rack or uh, I'm sorry, an end board on both the bottom sides. Um, for fives, I'll do uh, one end board on one side and actually I'll do two on the other. And then on sixes, I'll do two end boards on either side. Uh, I just feel like it's a, a better, um, it's just sturdier. Um, yeah. Yeah. And for, for us, we, we do a lot of just like, like, you know, pieces of plywood. Okay. Um, so for the bigger racks, we would use like half sheets of plywood, you know, come down so they're two foot tall. Yeah. Um, and then just spread them across the whole entire pot. Some people use two by fours or one buys or, you know, different things like that. Um, I know, like in a lot in the consumer world, a lot of times you'll 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 use rebar. Rebar, um, yeah, a lot. Their their rack of ten, they'll put some some eye bolts in the end of it. You know, drive the rebar down the sides and and prop it up like that as well. So I, I do that a lot with with one four rack. Okay. Um, is I'll just I'll rebar them at the end if I just have like one rack together. I don't need a pod. Yeah, I'll just I'll just use some rebar. You know, with eye eye holes on the side of them to hold it up. Yeah. Um, and I guess single shots, non breaking effects. How do you how do you mount all those? Or like say frontage, you know, single shot comets, meteors, mines. Um, we 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 use we use the, we use the, the metal racks. So I mean, the, the name brand out there is is Craigco. Yeah. Um, and in our club, we ha- we have our own our own branding of those racks that that we have that we have that we've built for the for the, our club that we use. Um, those work really really good because you got all those angles. Um, you just you know you can use the some balls and stuff in there, some pool noodles. You know, very, very different methods to, to secure your shot inside the little, the metal tubes. So what you're saying is um, save the fat kid, use, use, uh, balls. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. yeah. 
So yeah, so I mean, yeah, so that we we do we use those a lot for your single shots. Now you can also rebar single shots. So if you just got just a single one or two single shots somewhere and you don't want to pull out a whole entire rack, you know, stuff stuff a piece of rebar on the ground, zip tie your single shot to it, or you know, and you're usually pretty good to go with that. So so you prefer um, zip ties over uh, over duct tape. Uh, I I hate zip ties. I, 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 <laughs> I, I despise zip ties. I do too. Yeah, I absolutely hate them. Because um, because because uh, you know there is you know the the pyrolama system out there, which which you know seventy six has kind of you know started. I think with it was the pyrolamas with the you know the, all the little plastic little clips that slide on there, and you got to zip tie all of your single shots to those things, and that's what we used for our three sixty at Sky Wars. And mm-hmm. I was so over zip ties that after all that, I'm like, yeah, I don't, I don't use zip ties. That's why I use the, use the other racks because I can just pool noodle them in there. I, I value my fingers way too much to use zip ties. I mean, there are a, a couple of really cool little tools out there that you can use to tighten them up and, and to cut them, and, and that makes it super, super helpful and saves the fingers and stuff. And um, but yeah, zip ties are yeah, I, I get really annoyed with zip ties really fast. Yeah, I know we do uh, an indoor show uh, up in Michigan and. Um, on the racking, we have to use uh, zip ties as well. Uh, it's not the it's not the one that seventy six has, but um, yeah, you do you know four or five hundred cues, and you're just like, yep, no, I'm done. Yeah, you have two zip ties per per single shot effect, so you're a thousand yeah, and, zip ties in, and yeah, just be done. Yeah, yeah, I mean, and and obviously, a lot of like my flame pots and strobes, I, I'll, I'll zip tie those to a sticker rebar. I mean, it's it's just it's easy way to do. it. You can also tape them to to rebar as well if you got you know, you know a lot of people use that brown U-Haul packing tape, which works really really well. Um, but yeah, if you got like the flame pots or strobes, uh, another good option for flame pots and strobes is you can glue them or foam them or zip tie them to some screws to a piece of card to a piece of plywood. Yep. You know, stuff like that. You just kind of, kind of secure them, and so we did something similar like that at Sky Wars. Yep, we exactly. Put some same screws thing. and some plywood. Put them on there, zip tied around them, and I put them on some music stands to get them up high. Yeah. Um. So I mean, for that, that that kind of leads me to my next question: Do you have towers that you use for raising gerbs? Do you put them on the ground? What's your kind of go-to? What What do you do, and why do you do it? I, I, yeah. For I think for just most of our general type of shows, I do. I I'll just use them on some rebar, get them up a couple, you know, foot or so off the ground, get them up a little bit. Um, at Sky Wars, I actually had the, the the music stands that we use that got them up closer to probably three feet off the ground. Um, and that's just got a bigger audience, gets them up a little bit higher, makes it easier to see. Um, but if you're just doing a smaller kind of show, you know, just stick them on a piece of rebar and, and be good with it. It's easy. It's simple. You know. Yeah. I know I used um, little platforms as well. Um, but then I also have the, uh, those road construction sign towers that I use. And I, I'm, I tell you, I really love those things. They've, they've really done me really well. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And, and also at Skywars too, one of the cool effects I did with the, I had the gerbs, I actually put them up, 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 up on the top of the, of the lifts. And so it made the full circle with them and that actually turned out really well. It did. Yeah. I was, um, it's funny. I was kind of binge watching some, some stuff from another country and, um, Ricardo was doing that. Um, he had fountains on, on his three towers in the sky. And I was like, that is, it's just, it's just amazing. You know, you don't have to just put single shot, uh, you know, comets, meteors, mines up there. You can do fountains. There's so many things that haven't been done in the pyro world. Yeah. I'm really excited to see where the creativity starts to go. Um, especially in competitions and in club events. So yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So then we talked a little bit here about racking. What, what about like like staking and stuff like that? So do you guys 
secure your cakes by staking or do you guys, you know, like what, like what, like how do you guys secure all your stuff? Uh, yeah, we'll do, uh, stakes uh, and then we'll duct tape stuff. Uh, most of the time, not going to lie. We just, you know, if we have, if we have a cake that we know is really sturdy, we'll tape some of the other cakes that we don't think are as sturdy <clears throat> and we'll just create a block, what we would call a block of cakes. Um, and we'll just, you know, take two cakes, duct tape it, add a third one, duct tape it, and continue on that way. That way, each individual cake is secured to that uh, that block, and you're not just, you know, doing a big bunch um, and, and going from there. Now, now, now when you now when you're dead, do you take cakes into consideration that are fire starter cakes, and afraid that maybe if one cake starts fire, it's going to burn over and, and start the rest of your cakes on fire? Uh, we do take consideration in that. Most of those are, you know, you're going to be talking about fan cakes. You're going to be doing that. So um, we'll take, we'll make sure, I always make sure that those are going to be uh, fired last in that block. Um, and that's kind of my safety measure in, in doing that. Yeah. Yeah. I know. I, I usually always take those zipper cakes and I will just set them as, I'll keep them almost completely separate from everything else because they are notorious for, for burning up those and slices are your, your fire starters out there. But yeah, we do, we do stuff similar. You know, you'll put maybe a steak in the front and then you'll line up a bunch of cakes behind it and then put a steak behind on the, behind the last cake and kind of sandwich them in there. And then um, depending on how kind of things feel, sometimes you'll put some side steaks on there to help as well. And um, wooden steaks, rebar, either one works, works pretty good in that. But yeah, and obviously then, then taping them to your steaks, is just an additional kind of measure. And at Sky Wars, the um, fire marshal likes to do, likes to kick he everything. He loves to kick. His yeah, foot is yeah, his so always, in that field. So, so when you're out there kind of prepping and securing stuff before he gets there, if you just go around and just kind of kick your own stuff, you'll get a good idea on A, is it safe and stuff like that. And I mean, in my own shows, I'm sitting, sitting in my own shows, I'll go around and just kind of give things a little foot kick just to kind of see what kind of look like. And Yeah, most definitely. Yeah. Yeah, if they stand up and they don't fall over, they don't wobble around too much, you're, you're pretty good, you know, but... um Almost always your 200 gram cakes will almost always need to be staked or secured because those things will flip over like, like crazy. Yeah. So you brought up another point. Uh, what do you do with slices? Um, yeah. So slices is a, is an interesting one. I mean, if you only have a few slices, just put them together, you know, rebar behind them in front of them. So you kind of keep them packed together, um, at sky wars, because you have so many slices bind in a small area we yeah. try to kind of separate them a little bit we did ours in like little bundles of three okay you'd put three together and you put two sticks to rebar behind them and you put three more two sticks to rebar then three more so you kind of kept them in pods of three so i know last year was a problem on the ground so how did you guys combat the <laughs> the the drilling through uh a rock proverbially on of, of ground out there that was horrendous you know, it, it was it was it was horrendous. Yeah, you, just, you need a bigger hammer. You had to, you had to have some muscle. I know so we ended up over the guy. The, you had to bring the guy guy with the muscle over to drive all the rebar in for you. Yeah, I know we ended up going out and buying an auger, uh, like a drill bit, <laughs> and we still tore that up. We were, I think, we actually lost two drills, uh, just because of how tough the ground was. Uh, you know, we would drill it, loosen up the dirt, put a stake in, pack the dirt in, put your slices back in, and. Yeah, it was nuts, and then we still duct taped it just because we're like, I, I don't feel comfortable with this. Yeah, yeah, we 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 had bagged and kind of like this, you know, put ours in in, in plastic wrap essentially to kind of waterproof them somewhat because we do just in case there was going to be weather, we kind of kept kind of that definitely helped when, when the rain came and yeah, most of our slices survived for for Sunday. So, but um, 
yeah, for the most part, yeah. And then we, we had we had we had some some racks out there we could put some of our slices in to kind of angle them and stuff like that. And you see a lot of the boxes out there. People um, have boxes they put their slices and stuff in, but um, I'm always afraid anything would a wooden box full of my slices it's, is probably going to catch it's fire. It's just more kindling in the field. Yeah, yeah absolutely, I agree. Yeah. Yeah, and I know um, I, maybe I haven't asked you. What are your thoughts on those angles, uh, those uh, angle racks that I use for the slices? Have you seen no, anything yeah, like yeah, that before? Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. The ones you had were, were pretty good, and we we have a, a couple. We have a few as well that we had made for us that helped angle our slices as well, and so um, they turned out really, really well for us too. So I think it's you know definitely a lot easier to angle them if you have some <clears> racks <throat> that you can that you can angle, and so. Um, yeah, we, we as as a club, we ha- we have an engineer in our club that designs stuff and has access to aluminum, and so that's super helpful. He, he, oh yeah, yeah, he builds all. We we just go to him like, hey, we have an idea, and he's like, sure, let me build something for you. Yeah, he he's always wanting to build and build and build stuff for us, and so um, he always has some pretty crazy ideas, and so he he's the one who built a lot of our single shot racks for us, and um, also our our angled our angled slice racks that we use. So for sale or. Just club use only. No, it's only, <laughs> only, only, only a cake cap special. Completely understand. So, next question: Notorious milk crate racks. <laughs> I, I mean, just don't post pictures of it. I guess. I mean, <laughs> what, what? What if it's an actual cake by a company? Well, obviously, yeah, I, I, yeah. I mean, that that obviously drives people crazy. I, I, if you look at there on Facebook, people, some people are actually actually despise that cake. They do. Yeah, it's a pretty controversial cake. Um, yeah. It, it, I mean, yeah. I mean, for for for, for safety wise, obviously, um, milk crate racks are are not are not the best idea. I mean, for for as far as safety, I mean, like the, you know, obviously distance is you know if that is your only option and you and you're going to do it regardless of what people say, make sure you have the distance. You you know, give yourself lots and lots of distance because it's just a matter of time before before it blows up. I mean, it's not it's not if it's it's when it's going to blow up. It's most definitely when it's going to blow up. Yeah. Um, and then something else that's controversial on, on, uh, a lot of social media. What are your thoughts on spacers in one, three racks or one, four racks? Yeah, I, I obviously, obviously on your bigger one, three shells, you have to have spacers in them. Um, you know, it's half the, half the diameter or something like that has to be your, your, your space in them. Um, one, one, four racks. I, I don't think spacers are really going to make that much of a difference. I mean. Um, I have racks with spacers. I have racks without spacers. Um, I don't think it really makes a difference on, on one, four stuff. I don't think it's as important. Yeah. Uh, when you get into one, three, um, most of our club racks, I think they're three and four inches. I mean, I know the three inch racks, we don't have spacers on our three inch racks. Yeah. We have, the, I think one divider in between on our yeah. fours. I think we have it every two guns. We have a divider. Um, but, and then, and I guess that kind of brings up to another question. Like, do you guys even divide out your racks? Um, so say you're setting out four three inch racks. Uh, do you put spacing in between all those racks? No, no, we we bundle them together in a pod. If they're all going straight up and down, you just slap them all next to each other, put your inboards on and, and, and good to go. And there's, there's, you know, you're only spacing in between racks, essentially the sideboards. I mean, yeah, I think the reason we started doing it um, when you're running, especially e-fired shows, uh, you're able to run your wires in between, so you're not have you don't have a tight uh, e-match uh, line to your um, firing system, and I, it really does help that way. But otherwise, I, I'm not really sure. I see a reason behind it, just like you said. 
Yeah, and just to kind of deviate there a little bit, you said to run your wires. So how are you secure your wires to your to your guns on one three? Um, we drill each gun, um, and then we actually tie off to each gun, and then we have a another screw on the end of our rack. So we we actually have two different security points. Um, is it excessive? Yes, most definitely. Um, do I need to do it? No, but I am guaranteed that it's not going to take my module in the sky when that shell fires. Yeah. And that, that, yeah, that's pretty much almost like exactly identical to the way that we did at KCAP is basically almost all of our tubes are drilled. Yeah. You tie them off there and then you have then usually multiple screws in the rack that you can also tie your, tie your wire on. Yeah. That also prevents them by from tripping over your wire and, and yanking, yanking something out. Yeah. And obviously it prevents your, your, your module from, from taking the round trip. I take great pride in wire management and making sure that my shoot site looks as professional and as clean. Uh, and, and I do my due diligence to make sure that there are no trip hazards. Cause I mean, you are, we're already working with how many dangers. So if I can eliminate one of those by making sure my shoot site is clean, I'm going to do what I can. Yeah. I've seen, I've seen some of those, some of those pods of racks and single shot racks where it, it is just a rat's nest of wire people just plug it in and you got you just got a stack of wire everywhere and then you got then um like like me and a lot of other people you know you you meticulously you know twist all your you twist your, your your trunk lines together and you make it look where it's nice and neat and it's horrible if you have to trace back something and find out where a wire goes to if you misplug it's a 40 somewhere, it's like match a, put a new one on don't trace right? it yeah, yeah it's, 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 it's not worth it. put a new one it's not worth five minutes of sanity just trace it back it's 40 cents it's not a big deal for sure but yeah, hundred uh, yeah, percent agree. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Yes. Yeah. Any other, uh, any other safety things you could think that, uh, would be important to share with anybody? Uh, not off the top of my head. Um, yeah, not at all. So, all right. So what we got coming up here, maybe over the course of the next couple of weeks on shows. Yeah, we have Dan Haynes coming on next week. And then the week after that, we're going to have, uh, Craig Hetherington with PGI. I know normally, uh, we've been doing uh, a week on uh, with a guest, and then uh, we'll just do a week with just you and I talking. Um, but uh, some really good news coming from Craig Hetherington at PGI. He's the second vice president. Um, really looking forward to getting him on and making some announcements about uh, shows at PGI. I believe that's going to be one of the conversations we're going to have. Um, I, I, I think we have the exclusive maybe on that potentially. You and I have the exclusive, yeah. A couple yeah, other people so, know, yeah. yeah. Um, and then, um, we're looking at, uh, talking about getting a membership at PGI. Um, if you're a member of PGI, um, talking about getting more people to join, uh, really looking forward to that. And obviously don't want to take away from Dan Haynes next week. Uh, I know, uh, you had some things you were going to ask him. I have a couple questions for him. You want to kind of give some, some teasers on all that. No, yeah, we're definitely going to be talking a little bit about his trip to, to China and. Um, some of the things that he worked on over there and, and while he was there in China, some things that he were he was looking to try to source. Um, also, um, Dan had a big role in the ProLine division over at Spirit of 76. I definitely want to see what his thoughts are on there. And then um, um, he started his own, his own, his own discipline company. He so did. I don't know if everybody knows about that. So we'll give, give him an opportunity to kind of plug a display company and um, talk a little bit about um, some of the, the flame effects and DMX stuff. And um, if you're interested in that kind of stuff, how you can, I can go about purchasing some of that stuff because I believe he is a uh, U.S. US rep for, for some of that. I stuff, have heard so. that. Yeah. Um, if you guys have questions for Dan for next week, uh, feel free to email us the questions at pyro unleashed 
podcast at gmail.com. Uh, we'd love to um, get your thoughts and input on questions. Uh, see if we can get him to answer any of them. Um, let's go ahead and uh, make the. And, and even if you have questions for for Craig Heather Hetherington, yeah, you know, as well, we'll take we'll take some questions. If you have some stuff about PGI you want to know about, yeah, reach out and let us know. We'll uh, get the questions in the rotation for sure. Yeah. Um, besides that, I think we'll just kind of leave it at that. Um, talk about some more upcoming uh, episodes at a later date. Um, if you have people you would like to suggest to come on, if you have guests you'd like to hear from, uh, obviously again, email us at pyroonleashedpodcast at gmail.com. Uh, and let's get the, um, get them on. Let's talk about, uh, different things that they're doing in the industry, how they're progressing the industry. Yeah, absolutely guys. It's been a great, uh, great week week with all of you guys. This is episode number three in the books. And as we roll out of here, guys, be sure to go out and unleash your inner pyro. This has been another episode of Pyro Unleashed. Come back each week for more industry insights, technical tips, and awesome pyro designs. Have fun out there, be safe, and as always, remember to unleash your inner pyro with us.